Hello, and welcome back to the People Analytics Podcast. As always, I'm the host, Sean Boyce, and co-founder of StaffGeek. I wanted to welcome my friend and our guest to the show today, Jen Paxton, who is the VP of People and Talent at Privy. Jen has become an expert in managing hypergrowth, as she has helped several companies more than double in size, including her current role, Privy. Hello, Jen. How are you? And thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Sean. Excited to be here. <laughs> Excellent. I am as well. We have some exciting stuff to talk about. But before we kind of dive into that, I'd love if you could, for our listeners, please give them some background about yourself uh, so they can learn a little bit more and also talk about how you became the VP of People and Talent at Privy. Great. Um, yeah. So um, did not go to school for HR. Actually went to school for um, opera, uh, so vocal performance. Um, actually, that's why I got into, uh, into the Boston scene in the first place, um, but uh, decided that Opera was, opera was not going to pay. So um, I got into recruiting. Um, a lot of um, HR professionals I've talked to in their career actually start off in the staffing world and that's where I started off. So I was working um, at a, a staffing agency, uh, recruiting for technical talent, um, had some really great relationships um, internally with um, some of our of my customers and, uh, and decided I wanted to go in-house one day. Um, so went to a startup that was about 150 people called Fixu. Um, and came in as their kind of first recruiter, um, was able to grow their team, um, not exactly doubling them in size my first year. I think it was like um, almost two years before we got to 300, but, um, but got to hire about 100 people in my first year. Uh, and then we decided to bring on another person to the team. Um, that was a fun journey. And then, uh, and then kind of bounced around to a few more startups, um, basically, you know, getting in at very tiny, um, tiny sizes, like 20 people or 30 people and getting to double them in size in that first year. Um, and I, I, I learned to kind of wear both hats uh, from the recruiting and then the people ops side as well. And really like wearing kind of both both worlds, you know, getting to see the candidates coming in and then also getting to um, experience how to support them and kind of keep them at the company and being happy. Very impressive background, to say the least. And I can't imagine what it is like to hire a hundred people in a year. I mean, that's like hiring somebody every two or three days. That's crazy. Yes. Um, so I remember one summer we actually hired, I think the, the group of people, I think we had like 15 people start in one day. Um, and we actually had, so on the HR side, we actually had two people in HR that were, that were actually onboarding everybody. And so they were, they were doing really well. They were a little mad at me because I'd hired a little early, <laughs> a little sooner, I think, than they'd planned. Um, which is a fun relationship between recruiting and HR when you're, um, when you are in a bigger team. Uh, but it was, you know, seven to eight phone screens in a day, um, working really hard um, with all the hiring managers to really nail down profiles um, and getting them the most qualified candidates as quickly as possible. So we had a lot of tight timelines we needed to work through. <laughs> yeah, well put and yeah. incredibly impressive. The one thing that I have such an appreciation for knowing the my network of professionals in HR and recruiting is that I think there's almost, it's almost taken for granted by everyone else because they don't have the experience to know that outside of all of the help with hiring and recruiting that HR professionals and recruiters are, are, are expected to do, they still have to do everything else, manage the organization from a human resources perspective. So it's, uh, we... From all of us, we appreciate that time and effort that you guys put into keeping everything rolling in the right direction. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I think I 
push myself to want to always be busy. And so if I'm not, if I'm not running a million miles an hour, I think I'm not, you know, I'm not living. So. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. I have a tendency to bite off a little bit more than I could chew, but it keeps it exciting to say the least. Same here. Awesome. So, and that's perfect transition into what we wanted to talk about today. And that's kind of managing this hyper growth in when you're in that phase, right? It's not, everyone's not on that phase all the time, but it does happen uh, from, from time to time for various companies. And you've been through this experience a couple of times. So I have plenty of questions about that. I'd love to talk about a little bit more. And I'd also love to hear from a general perspective, before we kind of dive into more specific questions from you, since you've done this a few times, right? For those companies out there, especially those that were in the hyper growth phase and now may have cooled off a little bit, but while you're in it, while you're, you know, while it's chaotic and kind of unpredictable and just you're hitting all these crazy numbers all the time, like what's the right mindset to put yourself in when you're going through that kind of growth? Like what, what have you noticed from company to company as you've helped them grow through this aggressive stage? Yeah, I mean, there is, there's definitely a tendency to um, just produce, 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 um, which I think is, there's a time and a place for that. And then there's also a time and a place, um, kind of one of the big pitfalls I think I, I fell into in my, really early on in my career was um, saying yes to everything and piling it on and on um, without really taking a step back and looking at kind of where is the strategic vision going for this? Um, like what, you know, the person that I'm hiring right now, what are they actually going to be doing? And and really having a good partnership with a hiring manager on that. Um, I've learned to ask a lot more follow-up questions now um, to really get all of that information from the hiring manager so that we hire quickly, but also we're hiring um, for scale. Uh, because uh, the worst thing you can do is hire somebody that fits for three months, but then something, you know, happens in the product where like an automation happens or, um, or the, you know, complete company, you know, takes a shift uh, and doesn't need that person any longer. Um, you never want to have to let anybody go because they've you know, outgrown, outgrown a company. Um, definitely happens on the startup side um, because you are moving a mile a minute. But if you can really partner with a hiring manager and think about kind of what that person's going to be doing and what that's going to look like down the line. I think that helps a lot. Uh, and also I think it helps with the recruiting angle, um, getting people uh, on board, them knowing and kind of coming in and knowing the 30, kind of 60, 90, you know, 100 um, is really a great process to start off right when you can. Yeah, that's super well articulated. I think what you mentioned there, at the beginning of that response, maintaining that strategic vision. I think that's got to be super critical because as you're, like you said, there's so much to be done and now we're in hyper growth phase. So there's even more, right? It becomes harder to maintain those like the long-term focus because there's so much disruption happening in the short term. So, and you gave a perfect example where it's, if you're not maintaining that long-term strategic vision, you can almost like hire irresponsibly, if you will, where you're like filling roles that may not always be there or we should, you know, had we taken a closer look at our strategic vision, we may have adjusted that approach. I imagine that's kind of what you're referring to. Yeah. And I think there is some pushback that needs to happen on the recruiting side um, that really comes with knowing kind of the business and really putting all of the pieces together. But um, sometimes a manager will just want to like hire as kind of the solving of the problem and, and just kind of throwing a body at it versus really like taking a step back and 
maybe it's a communication thing between different departments that needs to happen, or uh, maybe a different department actually can fill some of that void. But if that leader isn't talking to the other department, that can be one other deficit too to look through. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And thank you for clarifying and giving us initial context there too, like you said. And this is especially common, right, for the tech companies where like Staff Geek and Privy, where it's, we're doing so much disruptive stuff that, like you said, we might think that we need to hire for that position. But in fact, that might be something that's in transition. You mentioned automation, the product is about to evolve, right? And that's going to change the landscape, not just for our external customers, but internally as well, too. So it's it's important to keep that in perspective. Yeah, definitely so. Excellent. Uh, well done. So other question I have for you too, because I know you've done this before as well. We've had this conversation before where it's, you've managed hyper growth kind of with and without help. And I'm sure there are companies out there and HR professionals and recruiters who may find themselves in a similar situation. So can you talk about the differences in your experience doing it kind of with and without help and what to be thinking about if you don't have a ton of additional resources to help you go through this hyper growth, yeah, you're expected to like double and triple your capacity seemingly overnight. Yeah, I don't advise doing without help. I'll just be completely honest. Um, I remember Fixu is one of the only ones where I've actually done it without, with like without help, at least in the initial part. And I remember working extremely long hours. Um, we were, you know, as I mentioned, you know, like tons and tons of phone screens per day. And I think that the quality of the phone screens probably suffered a little bit because there was just so many to have to get through. Um, but I also think that um, early on, I don't know if I was really paying attention as much to my funnel metrics as well. Um, and I think that that's something that if you're a one person shop, you know, really understanding how many applicants you need to get to a phone screen, to get to a you know, hiring manager screen, to get to kind of the on-site and, and whatever other stages you have, um, really having a good grasp on what that is going to look like um, will help you, um, especially with any evergreen roles to scale. Um, so I think that's one thing if you're a one-person shop, you know, really thinking about that. And then I think the other one, if you actually do have help, which is a really, you know, fortunate place to be in, and, and hopefully everybody is able to do that, I think it's also about kind of the divide and conquer side of it. Um, it really depends on kind of what um, you know what your organization needs uh, as far as kind of where the help goes. So for for me, um, some of the time you know might need a sourcer because we're not getting a lot of inbound applicants or we have a really you know niche role that we're trying to fill that probably wouldn't get a lot of applicants. So like the top of the funnel is where we're suffering. So we'd want to hire a sourcer. Um, other times it's really, you know, we're getting a ton of inbound applicants, but we just don't have enough people to do the phone screens. Um, when I was a one person show, I'd actually pass some of those initial phone screens off to my hiring manager, uh, being like, if you want to get this role filled faster, you're going to have to pull, like pull your own weight here. Um, and I'm actually really fortunate at Privy, um, where I'm, you know, I'm battling kind of both the, the recruiting and the HR side. And I've had a great partnership with a lot of my hiring managers to do the same thing. Uh, and it's a very like just candid conversation with them on expectation settings of, Hey, I have to do all these things, but if you want to get this role filled sooner, help me out on this part here. And then I can fill in the, the end game. Um, and then moving on to, you know, having an additional person on the team, um, if you have a lot of applicants and a lot of jobs to fill, you know, really 
developing specializations, I think is important because um, the relationship that that recruiter has with a hiring manager or with a department is really important. So you don't want to have, you know, one recruiter hiring for a software engineer role on this one team, but then another recruiter hiring for a software engineer role on the same, like same team. Um, you really want to start developing those specializations so that that recruiter can get super deep and, and, and build that great relationship with that specific department too. So that's how I do it at least. <laughs> Sounds like it's working out pretty well so far. So we're going to yeah. keep going with that. Yeah. I think you give a great example there too, in terms of, right. Something, it, if it does, if it's not going to give where through that hyper growth phase and you don't quite have the help that you need the right way to ask for it and to be constructive in your problem solving throughout that process where, okay, all of a sudden we're expected to hire. And now we need to, before we go, into this hyper growth phase, let's do what we can to uh, effectively manage expectations is how you described it, which I think is a great way to do it because that is the key to getting things uh, kind of off the right foot to make sure that we're going to achieve what it is we want to achieve, right? And then like you said, offering the ability to have additional participation elsewhere that's maybe slowing the process down is a great way to go about it, right? If you can leverage, like you said, those strategic relationships from within the company, that will help you probably move the needle sooner rather than later involving other people in the process increases the transparency and it helps manage their expectations. So, yeah. And to your point on adding more people into the process, um, if you're fortunate enough to build out kind of uh, just a, a culture of everybody at the company recruiting, that's something to try, you know, to try and strive for as well. Um, I'm not saying every, you know, every hire has to be a referral, but if you do have other people within the company that are proactively, you know, reaching out to their networks or like reaching out to people on LinkedIn um, that might be a fit, uh, that is really great as well. Um, I've been really fortunate at Privy where we've had a lot of referrals come in, um, but also we have a, a DEI team that is proactively reaching out to people, um, maybe not even in their network, they're like second or third degree connections to get them um, interested in Privy as well. Um, so if you can create a culture of you know, everybody at the company is a recruiter, that also really, really helps, um, especially if you're a one, again, one person show. Yeah, that's a great point. It seems like an excellent exercise for everyone to kind of be involved with anyway. So I imagine the best cultures have at least some form of participation in that way. I can only imagine that that would help. So great point. Yeah. So go ahead. Did you have more to add there? Um, the only, yeah. The only thing I was going to say is like tactical things I've done um, have been, you know, recruiting nights. Um, so like everybody brings their laptop, gets, uh, you know, gets a, a beverage and gets an appetizer. And then like, we're all just on LinkedIn and, you know, getting, getting people that way. Um, we've done them during the day too, but I find that if you give people, you know, food, uh, food and beverages, they tend to, to work. Uh, for longer for you. Um, right. and, and then additional to that, um, you know, really having strong partnerships with um, organizations as well, I think is really important, um, not only from a brand perspective, but just from an exposure perspective. Um, we, when we were back in our office, you know, we partnered very, you know, very closely with tech ladies. Um, and we'd have, you know, once, basically once a month have um, a, a meet, uh, a meet up there too. And I think that that is, from an exposure perspective, like really great too, to help you with the recruiting side. Great idea. And thanks for sharing some of the tactical examples. I love the recruiting night idea. That's really neat. It's almost like making it a fun game out of it and then you get to compete, you know, who's finding the best candidates kind of thing. That's kind of cool. 
Yeah, if you can set up a leaderboard as well. Um, so we, uh, at Fixu, at one point, we actually had a leaderboard, uh, like a TV screen of like all the referrals and like who was, who was winning. Um, we did uh, different spiffs as well. So like people, we did uh, Fixu swag, which was really fun. Uh, we also did gift cards as well. Uh, but then also just the bragging rights was the, like the best one of all of them, getting like somebody getting to brag about like I won. So it was really cool. That's funny. I get, I imagine it's got to have a similar effect of like uh, setting up your friends together or something like that, where everybody's proud that I, I made this awesome thing happen. That's got to be really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoy getting to see when our referral gets hired and their like their friend or their, their person, their network that, that hired them, like is beaming, like it's, it's so proud. So, yeah. It's awesome. It has to obviously, obviously help with culture as well too. Very cool. Uh, sharp tactics. Thank you for sharing those examples. Then, so the other component I think of as well too, and I can imagine for our professionals in HR that are listening to this that have either recently gone through a growth phase or are going to be in the future at some point and haven't done so before, I'd love to hear what your advice is since you've been there, done that a few times, as in what should, what, what's the best advice you have for them that, you know, those, those of us out there that are about to go through that phase or will at some point in the future and haven't before. Yeah. Oh, um, I think it goes back to um, aligning goals very like and, and understanding that part. Um, and I also think that, you know, having that expectation with the hiring manager um, and setting that early on is really important. Um, so before I will even post a role, I actually sit down with the hiring manager and we talk through um, everything like that might be like might go through the interview process, but also, you know, what are some questions they ask? Do they have other questions that like other people on the interview team should ask? So I think that really having that expectation is really important. Um, another thing that happens inevitably as well is when you ask, um, you know, the hiring manager, like, hey, when do you want this person? And they always say ASAP. And you're like, okay, but realistically, like, what does it look like on your team right now? You know, how long would it take you to put together any onboarding that you might need for them? Is there any kind of big, um, you know, big motion coming up on your team that maybe we should plan around? Um, so that ASAP always, always changes and always evolves, um, which I think is really important too, because um, you can, you can only work so quickly. Uh, and if the hiring manager doesn't have that deep understanding, you need to educate them on that pretty quickly. And then also, I think, you know, when you're talking about the attributes of the person that they're hiring for, um, they might start off like, this is, this is your market, like, this is your, your market of candidates, and you have to get them to go out, ex expand out, um, not just from a, you know, candidate pool, but also just a diversity of thought. Um, you know, I think they, I think hiring managers can be very focused uh, sometimes and you really have to convince them that opening that bubble up is going to be, you know, fruitful for them and for the organization too. Yeah, it's a great point. We've had a lot of great conversations, including this one on the show that's talked about increasing the transparency and empowering HR and recruiting by using processes and data and, you know, transparency to effectively let people know that, right, what does, you know, ASAP actually mean? Like, that's when you want, sure, but when do you need? And then have you thought about all this other stuff? Uh, you just did a good job of articulating, right? Your requirements might have you really narrowly focused into a, a very small subset of what's available and out there on the market, but that may not be the only 
thing you can do in order to fulfill that role in a way that we really need it to be fulfilled, right? So what are the other options we can pull from? Because if you just go looking for that kind of needle in a haystack, you may never find it, right? So instead, we need to be realistic with our expectations, right? It sounds like it also comes down to managing expectations, educating a little bit, but then involving everyone in the process between asking them, you know, what questions you have for us to ask as part of this process. So it sounds like it fosters great conversation uh, and it just helps everyone be more prepared for how to do so successfully. Yeah. And I do find that having that level of transparency with the hiring manager is really important. Um, but also, um, especially kind of as we're evolving um, at Privy, having that level of transparency with the entire company has been really great too. Um, so for instance, we're hiring um, a demand generation um, candidates very soon. And I sent a message out to the entire company um, with the entire funnel metrics and like, hey, here's the people that we have in process right now. Here's my thought process. Here's the attributes that we're going to be looking for. Um, and that again, is not scalable if you're hiring, you know, 20, 30 people um, at a time, uh, but you could maybe give a, a small roundup at that. And um, one other, uh, I think one other kind of like subtle attribute to, to that is it's like advertising for the role a little bit more and getting recruiting top of mind for everybody again within the company, um, which I think is really important just to, again, have everybody at the company be a recruiter for you. If they don't know, you know, how far along you are in the process with other, um, with other candidates or, you know, what, what does the pipeline look like? They might not be as engaged to, to want help in the future. Yeah. I'm always so surprised. I'm surprised by the creativity Things I would never thought about, which is coming from HR and recruiting in terms of let's leverage all the relationships we already have instead of just having to go completely external, right? There's probably a solid possibility that someone already here knows someone either a degree or two removed from them, which could actually work really well with what our needs are and aligned interests and all kinds of stuff. Plus ours like already have a form of referral kind of built in and in place. There's just excellent ways to be creative and to leverage resources that are available at your disposal without having to kind of reinvent the wheel every time. Yeah. And there's also, you know, there are external resources, external tools like drafted out there that actually do um, connect with LinkedIn and make it pretty seamless actually to find all the referrals as well. Um, so there's, there's lots of tools out there you can actually leverage too. So it's not just the one, you know, one woman show trying to like send out mass emails being like, Hey, it seems like you're connected to this person and like trying to connect the dots. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Whenever we can, right. Leveraging tools, uh, tech automation, it's got to help for sure. Especially when you're expected to level up seemingly overnight without the ability to do so, you know, grow your team quite that quickly, but uh, still hitting those goals. So awesome. Could agree more. So where I was going to kind of go next was shifting gears a little bit from Okay, let's say that you've been through the hyper growth phase and things at some point inevitably cool off for whatever reason. May that might have been part of the plan, it may not have been, right? Thinking nowadays with what's going on with the pandemic and plenty of companies were in this hyper growth stage. And then whether they really wanted to kind of cool off hiring or not, a lot of it did proactively just to be conservative, just in case, until we really found out what was going on. But I think the other thing where I'm going with this line of questioning is. For those that have been through that phase and then uh, you know, ultimately things do calm down at some point, I'd love to not just get your thoughts about being in that kind of a phase and preparing yourself for that, but particular as it, as it pertains to retention. So I, I can't imagine that growing super fast, it's got to be 
make it a little bit hard to focus on something like retention. And you did a great job of articulating this last time we spoke. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about it. Isn't we don't want to just continue to, you know, bring as many people in as possible. We also want to keep people here. So important to fit, kind of figure out that balance, but I'd, I'd love to hear your thought process for like, while you're in the hyper growth phase, how do you keep uh, focus on these other important uh, functions as well too, like making sure you stay on top of retention and then inevitably preparing yourself for, you know, when the hiring phase does cool off for one reason or another. Yeah. I mean, and it, it really depends on the company's business too. Um, so there are like for Privy, for instance, I mean, it is cyclical for us. You know, we have a lot of hiring that happens in the very beginning of the year. And then, you know, Black Friday is, you know, our, our Super Bowl, right? So we're not going to be hiring probably during the month of like September through December, because we're literally like, all hands on deck within the product, within the customers, like everything. Um, so it really, it really does kind of depend on the business on that end. Um, but I think that if you are in hyper growth and trying to maintain uh, or you know retain the the current talent you have, um, you have to think about how you're spending your time, and then also you have to leverage your your managers as well. Um, I think from one area of retention. Um, that I've heard from you know many many candidates, but also just many employees, is you know they want to know where they stand as far as like expectations and also with feedback for their managers. So one thing that I did at Privy that will be I will do this at like every company from now on as long as like the CEO aligns with me on this. But um, we started setting up these career ladders, um, which is just a framework for feedback and expectation setting. Um, so each each department has uh, and really each role has different career ladders that are, you know, if you're at, you know, this level, then you should be able to do X, Y and Z and you should be learning X, Y and Z. If you're at this level, you should be, you know, an expert at X, Y and Z and learning this. And it is kind of a leaping off point for managers to, um, you know, to talk through things. Um, it does take a little bit of time. So the managers that were not <laughs> recruiting at the time were working on that career ladder and, and getting that in place. Um, the other really cool thing though about that career ladder that helped was from a recruiting perspective, you could actually start to reference that for candidates, which is a selling point because they can not only see themselves at the company now, but they can see themselves, you know, years down the line because they can literally see the career ladder that they'd be going up. Um, so I think that that is not only a selling point, but also just from a transparency side of it is really, really helpful. Um, and then I think they're also, you know, depending on the size of the company too, you probably might actually be able to have a person dedicated to the employee experience and really kind of leveraging kind of the, the candidate experience to the employee experience and making them very equal. I say, I feel like there's a whole episode of it itself to talk more about this career ladder process yeah. that you've built. I would love to have you back to talk specifically about that. Yeah. A few questions now, of course, but I love it for so many reasons. And in particular, I think the, one of the points that you made, which I want to draw further attention to, is that it can be such an advantage from a recruiting perspective. Talking about that with a candidate, it's got to be a huge selling point. I know I've heard that complaint. I've had it myself previously as I've moved from role to role, where it's, what is the opportunity for growth here? The candidates come in, they're eager, they, they want to be aggressive, like they want to contribute, and but they want to know what they can be at some point, right? They're willing to put in the time, effort, as in, do you have an official process for this? And what does it look like? And, you know, I'm, I'm an engineer, of course, so super geeky in that way. But I love the fact that how you laid it out is, 
you know, here's your criteria. If you're at this level, here's what you should be focusing on, but here's what you should be studying, right? Like there's always more, which is awesome because it's, yeah. uh, it becomes a little bit defeating, I guess, if you get into a situation where you feel like you're stuck. So I got to imagine that that is a huge help. So I'm a huge advocate for it as well, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and I, I think back to when I was recruiting so much more and I always ask candidates, you know, why are you looking for a new job or why are you like thinking about even leaving your current company? And in 90% of the time, it's I don't see growth at the company. And that's so tough because you have to, if, if they are saying, hey, I value growth, I want to see growth, you have to show them growth. If you don't actually have a clear path for them, why would they like, why would they come join your company? You know, I mean, I feel like every startup is offering unlimited, you know, beer and ping pongs and vacation and all, all the bells and whistles. But like, if you really can't show them, you know, how they're going to learn and how they're going to be challenged, what's the point? You know, like, I, I don't know. I could go on a tangent like forever about that. And I could, I could concur and listen to that tangent because I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> you absolutely nailed it. Fantastic. Well, thank you a ton, Jen, for being here. This is uh, incredibly valuable information from both myself and the audience. Before I let you go, I have two questions for you. And the first of which is, are there any resources like that you'd like to call attention to specifically that you would share with our audience? Yeah, um, I think that, you know, from a recruiting side, I mean, you have to have a really strong foundation. So a good applicant tracking system is definitely needed. Um, and then I also think from a resources perspective, I'm going to pitch the career ladders like every, every day. Um, it, from a, from a people ops perspective, it is, um, it, it's an administrative lift, but it's also a good partnership with your, you know, your hire manager or your manager. Uh, and then, um, there are different, um, different tools out there that I've been using. Um, so very big on attribute based interviews. Um, so I've actually been leveraging workables. Um, they have a whole resource section on different attributes and how an attribute might present itself in an interview. So I love, love recommending, <laughs> love recommending that as well. Love that. And we do plenty of that at Staff Geek. So I'm glad to hear you bring up attributes. It's part of the, it's part of our acronym for our process starts with identifying your company DNA. And the DNA stands for distinct native attribute. So <laughs> okay. <That's> super awesome. <laughs> cool. Great, uh, great resources. I will link to those as part of the show notes as well, too. Then uh, last question I have for you is who should reach out to you and how can they get in touch? Yeah, I mean, if they're interested in, um, you know, geeking out over HR, people ops things, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, if, they're, if you're interested in a role, if you're a candidate looking, um, we have a marketing role open right now. We'll probably have one or two more roles um, on our website soon. So they go to privy.com um, to be able to see those. Um, and then I think following us on, on LinkedIn or Twitter or uh, Facebook, um, get privy is uh, typically the hashtag. So uh, feel free to check us out there too. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And I'll also include those in the notes. Jenna, I can't thank you enough for being here and sharing your knowledge with both myself and our audience. Well, thank you again for having me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the People Analytics Podcast powered by StaffGeek. If you or anyone you know is a leader in human resources or talent acquisition and would be interested in being a guest on our show, please reach out to me at sean at staffgeek.com. That's sean, S-E-A-N, at staffgeek, S-T-A-F-F-G-E-E-K.com. We would love to share your valuable knowledge with our audience. At this point, we'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsor of our show, StaffGeek.
StatusGeek helps companies hire smarter by increasing retention and combating turnover, all while reducing time to hire. They do this by creating a customized behavioral assessment around your company's unique culture. Armed with your FitTech assessment, you're able to evaluate which candidates are the right fit for your company's culture. Start hiring smarter today with StaffGeek. If you'd like to learn more, reach out to StaffGeek at hello at staffgeek.com or visit them on the web at staffgeek.com.